0: Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in.
1: Welcome, gentlemen. Here we are again, the Deepen Podcasts, unwrapping Christmas week two. I think the first thing we should talk about is, you know, Pastor Joe, you often say Google like cassette tapes and stuff like that. I think I think this generation does not appreciate something that we all we all know the Left Behind series. Oh, <laughs> all right. There was Tim a Lahaide and Jerry Jenkins. There was a series of books that later became <laughs> very <laughs> very high quality movies. <laughs> a
2: new version of the
0: of it just came out. Yeah. Oh, really?
2: I think so. I saw Is the preview. It still, Kirk Cameron? No. You no, know, Kirk Cameron did his series. And then Nicholas Cage did one, and then a newer one, even than that, desperate. has come out. Uh, and so I, the Nicholas Cage mention is in honor of our good friend J.D. Greer. Yeah, what mm-hmm. I learned
0: from J.D. is that Nicholas Cage is in and of himself a national treasure, one of the greatest <laughs> acting talents of our generation. You know? Who can argue with that? But
1: <laughs> anyway, I thought of it because we're you you preached from Revelation, and this was a series of books that that took. The end times, created a story around it, and when those books were coming out, I was, I was seventeen, maybe working in a Christian bookstore.
0: Were you? Of course, yeah, you I were. did.
1: Oh, you were younger than that. And uh, well, some of them were coming. Maybe it was later in the series, mm-hmm. but the pe- like people would just line up for the new release of this book, and just I felt bad because I was like, guys, this is fiction. It is, or is it? They tried really hard
2: to
0: toe their line. Premillennial dispensationalism is what right. that is. Right, right, right. And I think pre-trib, premillennial dispensationalism. Did you get into it back in the day or no? Nope. I made fun of it. If that's what you mean <laughs> yeah. you get into. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Oh.
1: My
2: grandma loved them. Nanny, she
1: loved them. Mm. She's into it. Well, uh, excellent. Uh, I mean, I was just so challenged by the, the, the message and uh, like we do, kind of an unusual approach to Christmas. But maybe let's start off here, Pastor. Let's talk a little bit about the book of Revelation. And you mentioned this a little bit like, hey, it's a." you gave a couple of tips and tools, but this is one of, I bet you for the average person listening, the book of Revelation is one of the more intimidating books to read. It can be confusing and weird and all this kind of stuff so so what are some keys to understanding it
0: first is that the book of Revelation is Theos nuustas breathed out by God it is authoritative infallible <laughs> inerrant and uh, from God to his church um, I think it's important to look at its context in the first century and what was going on to understand some of that I think the the whole point of the book of Revelation, is not necessarily to explain all the things that are going to happen, but to explain in light of all things, Jesus wins. We yes. win. We're on the winning side. Christus, he's victorious, right? Christus so. Victor. In light of that, it is a revelation or a vision, maybe a dream, not a sleep dream though, of the resurrected living Christ to the apostle John. Starts out pretty straightforward. With letters to the churches, then by the time you get to chapter 4, he's taken up into the heavenlies, and he gets a vision of what is happening, what is to come. I think a part of the problem, which is really hard for us, is explaining eternity in chronology. Mm -hmm. So anytime you start doing that, some things get a little bit wonky. Okay? So, um, I think... Like, you, you we take the Bible literally, but literally everything the Bible says isn't literal. Correct. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I know it does to you because you're real smart. So, in tonight's passage, Revelation 12, there are two signs and a sun. Mm-hmm. So that's great because it just says, "Here's a sign." So it's mm-hmm. pointing to another thing. Mm-hmm. And um, in the first century, the Christians were being like fed to lions and burned at mm-hmm. the stake and all of that. And so, in light of that kind of torment. Here's how the first century Christian perseveres. In the church age, Jesus is returning. And I think the way to look at it is there are different scenes or windows that are revealed to John, and John describes those scenes or windows. So that's different. So so the question to ask is not what happens next. Mm -hmm. The question to ask is what does John see next? Mm -hmm. And it's not always in chronological order. And I also think there are about three or four interpretations of the book of Revelation in light of the rest of the scriptures that are all within the orthodoxy in light of who God is, what the Bible is, who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. and where we're heading. And very, very good Bible-believing... Orthodox Christians have different views on those things. Mm-hmm. Well, talk a little bit about the uh,
1: just real quick the different genres of literature inside the the Bible and uh, this would be one of the particular ones, right <laughs> Apocalyptic.
0: yeah, there's apocalyptic literature, there's poetic literature, there's wisdom literature, there's history. I mean there's multiple different types yeah. of texts in yeah. the Bible and that informed that should inform how. We read it. So, for example, totally. uh, there's wisdom literature like the Song of Solomon, but it's written not only as a wisdom literature, but it's poetry. So, when he says to his wife, "Your wife is like a mound of wheat," that is not literal. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was a, it was a compliment, meaning that uh, just like God fulfills us during the harvest season, you fulfill me, God. You're a gift to me. So that's what that means. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with depending on the type of literature that you mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and just like his, the historical books are not necessarily the same as the, the the New Testament books giving us commands on how to live, right? So you read a historical book and you hear about, you know, hey, take out this entire city, right? right? It's not saying, oh, you should do that too if you feel like it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> one of the ways to think about it is are these verses prescriptive or descriptive? Yes. So prescriptive means this is what you should do in light of what the Bible says. Descriptive is this is what happened Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get those things confused, it can be very problematic. Yeah. Like for uh, polygamy would be a good example. Yeah. The prescription, according to the beginning in Genesis, is one man, one woman. Mm. The description is that many men took many wives. Many individual men took many wives. If you read that as prescriptive and think we're supposed to do it, first of all, you got to read an adult book like an adult. Mm-hmm. If you read throughout the Old Testament where they were practicing polygamy and don't understand what a alarm fire that will create for everything around you, mm-hmm. then you you just completely misread all of the text.
1: Yeah. Now, you mentioned some big words when we talked about those books, Left Behind books. Why do you think, and there's all kind of there's all kind of them, I and mean, we're not really going to get into that, but why do people get so into that? Like, Creating a, basically a whole, <laughs> like a whole body of work around predictions, and like here's here's this, that, and the other, and why, and they have all these different names that ends with uh, in, m's, isms and all this kind of stuff. You know, like why is that? Is it just curiosity about what's how it's going to end? Is it trying to is it trying to be in control of something that's a mystery? I mean, what do you think?
2: I think the question you originally asked, which is what's the key to understanding Revelation? Well, the key is humility, mm. and so. When you lose humility because of a conviction mm-hmm. around interpretation, and we are by nature tribal, tribes begin to form around those convictions, and humility is not always yeah. is not always practiced. And so, you know, there's obviously the what do you believe about the rapture, where's a lot of the isms come from, right, what right. happens and where, but then the like Pastor Jimmy said, there's five ways to interpret. Revelation and people will dig their heels down on the camp of interpretation, like preterist, which is like only you should ever think about the original audience and what they heard, and everything else is. And then there's like futurist, which is it's a map of what's happened, what's happening, and what will happen. And then there's Mm -hmm. like historical, which is leans heavy on the temple falling in AD 70 Mm -hmm. as like the creme de la creme of events in Revelation, you know, the pinnacle. And then there's there's two more. There's uh, eclectic, which is like more of a, a gathering of of the different views. And then there's supernatural, which is like no, don't don't get down in the details really at all. Or it's all about the war of the heavenlies. And in each of these five camps, people will just dig in their heels, and it's like God. this is the only way. And I love the way that you teach it, and the way that you go about it is. Is way is is way more. Let's take let's take it a passage at a time. Let's take mm-hmm. it a part of the vision, at a time, and let's consider many of these things. Mm-hmm. What does this mean about the future? What does this mean to the original audience? Because it's all connected, yeah. and it takes humility to do the work to stay under the text and not let the New York Times be the thing that's informing your interpretation of the Book of Revelation. That's really really dangerous mm-hmm. when we use today's current events and then we go to Revelation and try to understand what's happening today versus letting Revelation the Revelation inform us about the character and the nature and the reality of Christ. If you could just back out of some of the, the passionate debate of Revelation and you can just see the beauty and the epicness of what the picture is mm-hmm. that God's painting through the Apostle John. It is one of the most beautiful books. Mm-hmm. The visuals, the sounds, mm-hmm.
1: all of it it is just, it's, it's very epic. So I think humility is the key. I think it was R.C. Sproul said, if I was going to be on a desert island and I could only have one book of the Bible for the rest of my life, it would be Revelation. And uh, he said, because it's a, it's a book of worship. Like it tells
0: it for that reason, kind of what you mm. said. I I think I, I think I'm remembering that right. Um, so if you want to do a deep dive into this, uh, especially if you're like a hardcore podcast person, listen all the time. <clears throat> YouTube, I think it's called a Night of Eschatology, and it's John Piper, Doug Wilson, Sam Storm, and a Southern Baptist uh, seminary professor, and they all have a take on, are they. Mm. Pre millennial, mm-hmm. post millennial, ah yeah. millennial. No, some he's like a it's he's, been a minute since I saw him. He's the least famous of the four yeah. there, but it's cool because all these guys are Bible believing, evangelical, love Jesus, mm. going to heaven, and they, you know, yeah. So, what cool. I think that's helpful. I think it's helpful. Some when I get to passages that I know historically have been interpreted in multiple ways, like for instance, even tonight. When it talks about the woman with the, with the moon and the stars, and some people are like, that's Mary. I'm like, okay. Some people are like, no, that's Israel because of Joseph's dream. I'm like, okay. Some people are like, no, that's the church because of Isaiah 66, you know? And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. I actually think, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I do that is because of the way the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. So when we quote the Christmas passages from Isaiah, of course it's talking about Jesus, but Isaiah was also talking about a king that would be born that like in that those folks lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so both of those things are simultaneously mm-hmm. true. Yeah, it's like a lot of the prophets uh, prophets will speak of like return to the
1: Lord like the, in the returning will be your salvation. If they're speaking in the time of exile, they're thinking about the return yeah, to Jerusalem, Jerusalem right? right? And we're interpreting that also as like a spiritual return to the Lord. you know. So it works on many different levels. Uh, speaking of books, there was this book. Do you remember this book called The Omega Code? Oh, yeah. It was this book that came out that just was <laughs> saying that all the different things in the... like I don't even know. I didn't read it. But uh, Pastor Joby, what what are some of the dangers of treating this book, Pastor Britt mentioned it a minute ago, as some sort of secret code book that's going to tell us all kinds of things about the future and all about, you know.
0: Well, for those of you that have, like, your calendars and your charts and all the, you know, and, like, Hamas and based Israel, and you like, yep, there it goes, and you start pointing to passages, the one thing I would point you to is every generation has done that and every time they've been wrong so far. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, like, well, yep, Putin's the Antichrist or – whoever Ronald Reagan is this car- you know what i mean that kind of thing so at some point you got to look over your shoulder mm-hmm. and be like well hold on mm-hmm. why why would i even think it would be our generation mm-hmm. i know right. this i know we're closer to the return than we were last week that's right i can promise you that yeah. but you got to be careful with that because yeah. when you, the moment you begin to read yourself into the narrative first and foremost you're making yourself primary mm-hmm. as opposed to the bible commands us to do the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, he is primary, and we're saying, okay, uh, you're the king. I work for you. What are my marching orders? Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason people dig in, sometimes it's, I mean, it's for understanding, right? It's very confusing, and Mm -hmm. we're in very confusing times right now, and so people just, they want want to be grounded on something. Mm -hmm. Jesus would say be grounded in the gospel. I am kind of a pan-millennialist, which means, I mean, it's a half a joke, but it's like... I'm just gonna follow Jesus and it all pan out in the end, whether he's whether he's like pre-millennial or post millennial. You know what I mean? I get that from Matthew 24 and 25. Yeah. In Matthew 24, the disciples ask him, What's it gonna be like at the end of the world? And he talks about stuff, man. It's a wars, rooms of wars, the abomination of desolation. He quotes Daniel, and I think he's like, people are like, What? And then he goes, But time out. I don't know when I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. So listen to these three stories. Mm-hmm. Parable of the virgins, which means get saved. Before I return, or it's too late. Mm-hmm. The parable of the talents, don't waste your life. I've given you some stuff. Get to the work of the kingdom. Quit mm-hmm. worrying about when I'm going to return. You don't know when I'm going to return. So invest your life in such a way that when I do, you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant, mm-hmm. because of what I've done, not what you do. And the parable of the sheep and goats, serve people. Mm-hmm. So you do that, and then it's all going to work out. Mm. I, I That is my hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. Based on what Jesus said in Matthew yeah. 25, it's not an out. Mm. I do there will come a day where I teach verse by verse through the book of Revelation and will have to probably make some decisions about which camp mm-hmm. I fall into. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean if he, if Jesus if Jesus said, I don't know. Like the people who say I know, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs>
0: so here so here's what I think too, why the obsession? I there's this um Christianity particularly modern church is in large part knowing things in order to know Him, you know mm. that part's okay. Like abide in my word and I will abide in you. Mm. Okay. So then, what begins to happen? You begin to slip into this really kind of like a, it's kind of like agnosticism, which is like knowledge is the most important thing. Mm. And man, somebody like some secret knowledge kind of angle mm. is a, has been a has been a, a tool of the enemy since the beginning of human history. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. like. Hey, there's some stuff that that if you knew this about God, you're gonna have a leg up on everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then, in the negative ways, it's, it's exactly what Pastor Britt was saying. He said the way to read it is come with humility. I think pride begins to rise up, and you begin to think, what I think about this is right. Mm-hmm. And so, if you disagree, then you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to tell you what's right. Yeah. And so, you know, knowledge puffs up. And it's the that's the opposite of love. So you got to be really humble.
1: It's been quoted many times. I don't know who the first person that said it was. I'd rather be part of the welcoming committee instead of the planning committee. Yeah, my grandma used
0: to say that. But, I mean, obviously that was like an old, old-timey joke. It's really good, though. Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: It is. All right, well, you, you talked a lot about the, the methodea, the, the schemes of the enemy, and that, that opens up a discussion around spiritual warfare, which we definitely talked about. Um here's what I thought of, you know, the spiritual war in, is happening really on two different planes and two different ways and we see this in Revelation like that there's a cosmic reality, there's like uh, the work of Christ, the work of the kingdom, the plan of God from before the beginning of time to defeat Satan and that's a completed work. Like when you read it it's like hey, it, it is finished. Right. And then there is our daily individual war against the enemy, they take a stand against the enemy, and you mentioned that from Ephesians. So let's talk a little bit about that. How, how do we understand the difference between those two things, and how do we navigate the paradox of them, right? like Because it's something that is done and yet ongoing for us in our lives, right? Because Satan still is attacking us, and yet you read Revelation and say, well, it seems like it's over, and it is, but it's not.
0: I would go back to that, what I said before, like when you try to read eternal realities in light of chronology, it gets confusing. So there are verses about our current condition in the book of Ephesians that say that we have been seated with Christ on his throne. So that is eternally true, but it is not currently where we are seated because we are also in this world but not of this world. So there's the already but not yet. That's a, some terminology that theologians came up with a long time ago. And what they were trying to prevent is what's called an over-realized eschatology, mm-hmm. that God has made promises that are yes and amen in Christ, but they are not fully realized yet yeah. in our lives. Yeah. So the enemy, Dr. Piper, John Piper talks about him. He's a, he's a dog on a chain. He's a lackey. He likes to say that. By the way, I'm getting to preach a conference with Piper. In the spring. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to try to get as close to him as I can. Maybe (laughs) some of the anointing will get on me. Anyway, Uh. that's a great way to think. A dog on a chain. Can a dog bite? Yes. But he is on the leash by the master. He only go as far as the master would let him go. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's happened here. In fact, I mean, um, man, at the end of verse 12... Because he, the red dragon, the enemy, the devil, Satan. I love it when the Bible just tells you. There's like, it's a red dragon. That's the devil. Like, it just Mm -hmm. says it. Mm -hmm. Because he knows that his time is short. So he knows, man. It's a pretty good... You could do a really good study, starting from, like, Genesis 3.15, when he hears that he's going to get his head crushed, and think, maybe that's why Cain killed Abel. Because the enemy just heard that there's going to be enmity between him and Mary and uh, Eve's seed. And maybe one of these two, maybe Abel is going to be the one that crushes his head. Mm. And uh, oof, I have to look it up. It doesn't say that in Genesis 4, but in the New Testament, um, it says that Cain was a tool of the enemy. Mm. All right, maybe that's it. Uh, all throughout the Old Testament, you can see the enemy's mm. attempt to thwart the promise of God by shutting Israel down, because mm-hmm. if there's no Israel, then how can the promise of Abraham happen? Which would mm-hmm. shut down Genesis three fifteen. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Over and over and over and over. And then you see it in Matthew chapter two. Yeah. And then Herod becomes a pawn in the hand of the enemy, trying to thwart the plan of God, because mm. mm. he knows if he wins, because he doesn't, mm. he like knows his time is short. But somehow he still believes he's got a shot, or mm. he wouldn't try to overthrow mm-hmm. God. And I've never thought about the.
1: That way before, like, what if he didn't really know who Jesus was going to be? So he was just trying to like make, just like Herod did, right? He's not like,
0: omniscient,
1: right? He doesn't
0: he. So the enemy is super smart, IQ through the roof. I mean, he's been a deceiver forever. So he's just, I mean, look, man, you do enough reps, you know, ten thousand hours. This brother's got almost ten thousand years. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, so he's been at this a minute, and but all he's got is game film. Mm-hmm. He cannot predict the play you're going to run. But, man, he's got a game film on humanity going all the way back to the garden. Mm-hmm. So he's gotten really good at this. Yeah. By the way, anybody who doesn't know the word eschatology, that's the study of the end times.
1: The eschaton is the end. Eschatology. Why is it that, so I've heard some people, even even church people, talk about the battle between God and the enemy as if it's sort of like the war of good and evil and Maybe a cultural understanding of good and evil are fighting kind of back and forth, and sometimes evil wins and sometimes good wins. Uh, I think we would we would agree that this is decisively different than that message, right? It is decisively superior to that
2: message talk more about it <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just about good and evil if you're talking about the battle between God and Lucifer it's it's way before that I mean the tree the tree in the garden was the tree the knowledge the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. so prior to there being good and evil were things like God and Lucifer if you read Isaiah's account of Lucifer's fall it says it says things like, Ultimately, it says that Lucifer, that there was a seat in heaven that he wanted, and that seat belonged to the sun. My personal belief is that it belonged to the sun. Some would even go as far to say that his job was to cover the seat. Uh, much like the on the Ark of the Covenant, there's like the the, the angels that cover over the... The, the bema you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. they would say that his job was to provide a covering or or to to reflect and draw attention to this seat which the son sat in that's theological speculation but if you think about it it makes it makes some sense he, he,
0: he, what we do know about him so I think, he, it, I think that that lines up with his uh ezekiel 28 which is the description of the morning star with the Gym clothes, not like gym clothes, but like clothes Jim's made diamond, of Yeah, yeah, whatever. Or it could be him and like appendages, like musical instruments. They're supposed to point to the one sitting on the throne. Yeah, so he's refracting light, right? But and then my, the way I say it is because I think this resonates. He got tired of being looked through and wanted to be looked to. That's right. Which same thing, Adam and Eve. And, and like us. Why am I going? Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the thing because you say it, and you're like, what a dummy, and you're like, oh wait a minute. I want to make my own decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so as a counterfeit affection, ultimately he wanted something that wasn't his, and mm-hmm. that's far bigger than that's far bigger and more individually personal than this idea of there's good in the world and there's evil in the world mm-hmm. on a cosmic scale. God is greater than good, and the enemy is worse than all sorts, all the sorts of evil. He's worse than that, mm-hmm. and because it is worse than evil to, to live in total rebellion toward God when you have seen mm-hmm. and you, you have experienced and were created for a thing by God, and then you totally reject that thing. And so it's just a bigger narrative. Not narrative. It's a, it's a bigger testimony yeah. uh, around good and evil. And so I think the enemy, one of the things Pastor Joby says all the time is, is whatever God creates the enemy counterfeits, and his strat the strategy of Satan, which there's many books written on this. What like Warren Wiersbe wrote a book called "The Strategy of Satan," but there are all, there he has these very specific strategies. And one of the titles that Satan goes by is that he's the, the the Prince of the Air. It's always been so fascinating to me that the Bible refers to him as a prince,
0: mm-hmm.
2: because gee they refers to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And in every way, he, 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 even with his strategies, it's just an opposite of the fulfillment of the of the God-man in Christ Jesus, what he did in bringing the heavens to earth, you know. And so we could spend some time talking through his individual strategies um, mm-hmm. and how he attacks. But on your point around Cain and Abel, uh, it is certain scripturally that he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. That, that one of his strategies yeah, is to, to murder. The, that is, yep. <laughs> yep. And kill. To kill. Right. Yeah. Steal and destroy. That's the first one. Yeah. I, and I think it's all, I think at the cross, he thought he had finally done it. Correct. That, that was the murder he was after. More than any other,
0: all the other murders that he was mm-hmm. a part of. Yeah, because he tried to murder him via Herod when Jesus is like two or under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the one.
2: So think about when that tomb opened up mm. and Jesus came walking out. What was going on in mm. the realm of hell?
0: Yeah, as depicted by Carmen and the champion. <laughs> <laughs> this is we are crushing That's, it. That's the throw right there. Oh my gosh. So in the vast expanse
1: of time and space. Oh, yeah. you haven't lived since you've seen that video. If you haven't seen that video. It makes me think of CS Lewis, you know the line in which in the wardrobe it's you know if you're not familiar with the story like aslan sacrifices himself and the witch is like got him yeah you know and it was like the victory that evil thought that she had won you know and then you know that famous line there's a, there was a deeper magic at work and so that is, that's crazy how about this i'll give you all a
2: strategy as you were talking tonight preaching okay. it's not just talking as you were preaching you. the gospel i was writing down Strategies
0: of Satan. Mm. And so... Because there's three listed in the text. Which right. are, yeah, That's I what got me like spinning. I
2: love on those. It. So how about I'll, I'll go with strategy, which is a counterfeit, mm-hmm. and then y'all tell me how Jesus is mm-hmm. the real thing. So number one,
0: lies. He, he's a liar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus says he is truth. Yeah, He is the truth.
2: What is the difference in Jesus
0: telling the truth and being the truth? Uh, freedom. So the the famous passage in John eight that like political leaders like to use yeah and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. That whole context is that uh, you religious people are the son of the devil who is the father of lies mm. and they're like no 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 we're we're the son of Abraham they're like no because Abraham had faith and you didn't have faith and so you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is not true things. The truth is the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham, which is the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So in truth is freedom. That is different than just agreeing with true things. Mm -hmm. But chains fall off when you know the one that is true.
2: Mm. He blinds people. The the Bible talks about him Mm. blinding people to the truth. Satan. Yes, not Jesus. Jesus would do the opposite thing, which mm-hmm. would be what open the eyes of the blind. It's really amazing these instances in the Gospels when Jesus
1: gives people sight
0: mm-hmm.
1: what what a yeah. and he even mentions that right this This takes place so that seeing they don't see right He's talking about spiritual blindness, so the third one is second Corinthians eleven
2: I found this one I hadn't thought about it in a minute, but it says this in second corinthians eleven it says of uh, verse 13 it says for such men are false apostles deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ verse 14 no wonder that there are false teachers out there dressed up as shepherds but they're wolves is what paul's talking about no wonder for even satan disguises himself disguises himself as an angel of light
0: so he wears disguises mm. Yes. So he, he, he says things that sound so good and delightful, like love wins. In the end, love wins. If God really is a loving God and we're all just doing the best we can do, then at some point, when Christ died on the cross, it counted for everybody, regardless of what they believe, and we're all going to end up in heaven one day. So that is the lie of of. Universalism, but it's dressed up in something that sounds really great, and I mean, and that sounds like such a positive message, right? Mm -hmm. And it has misled a whole bunch of people, Mm. pastors included.
2: Mm. I wonder what our what the American church's preferred disguise is. I'd
0: have to think about that for a minute. I, I, I think comfort is going to be a big one. I think um, an over-realized individualism is a big one. I think the idea of rights, like how are you crucified with Christ? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And yet, simultaneously, the American church talks a lot about what they have the right to do. You know that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way we spend money. Is going to be much like we would look back at the Puritans, which were some of the smartest dudes ever reading the Bible and writing commentaries about the Bible. And you, if we could sit with Jonathan Edwards, we'd be like, bro, the slavery thing, man, that's how did you not, how did that, what? Okay, I think, and whatever, there's two billion people on the planet that haven't even heard the name of Jesus yet. And, you know, We all, us included, are just spending time, money, energy, and effort on just being comfortable, like some stuff we want and some, Mm. and we just forget. We just Mm. forget the Great Commission. Mm. We think that's only like about our one more across the street and not one more people group across the world. Mm
1: -hmm. It makes me think when you say, How does Jesus answer that? Like, I think of two things. Like, one, that he was an ordinary man without any kind of appearance that would make people desire him, right? Isaiah says that. And so he wasn't trying to disguise himself to look to in order to gain a lot of popularity. And then also think of the transfiguration, right? Like he when he's when he undisguises, so you could almost say that his human <laughs> humanness disguised some of his glory somehow. And and when he undisguises it, it's it's seeing God, right? And this they beheld his glory or we beheld his glory, like John says. So I think of those two examples of how Jesus is the opposite of somebody who would cloak themselves in a disguise to deceive. In his disguises, he also does counterfeit signs.
0: Yep.
2: So what would be an example of a counterfeit sign or wonder? Prosperity. Yeah,
0: where you name it and claim it. And so you begin to put your faith, man, it's such a, such a like, it's like, all right, God's a good dad, right? Right. Well, what good did God love to give good gifts to the kids? Right. Mm -hmm. So if you name it and claim it, it's yours. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to have faith and faith, or really what you're doing is whatever the thing you're naming and claiming is your functional savior. Mm -hmm. And it's just the slightest little twist because your faith becomes a mean a means to meet your end, which is to serve you so that you can get Cadillacs and cash and cotton candy. Mm-hmm. And the whole time you think you're you actually think you're being more blessed. Mm-hmm. It's like when people yeah.
2: experience success and give God credit and short of the discernment of the Holy Spirit, you would think, Well, God must be really blessing them because they're having success. It makes me think about the time you two won a Grammy. This was probably fifteen years ago. U2 wins a Grammy.
0: Which means it was 25.
2: And Yeah, it probably
0: was. (laughs) And
2: uh, it was the Beautiful Day record that they put out. Um, Had the word atomic in it. But anyway, I can't remember. But he walks out on stage. Bono walks out on stage at the Grammys and says, Everybody gets up here and thanks God. And I think he, he doesn't want credit for that. And then he turns around and walks off stage. Mm-hmm. And I think of that as a counterfeit sign often where it's like things are going good. Mm-hmm. And you can the illusion of success by the world's measures. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he tempted Jesus with. He said, I'll give you everything this world has to offer. And nobody will be, and there will be none the wiser. Mm-hmm. There
0: and well, Billy I mean, Graham
2: used to talk all the time about people falling off the church pew you straight into hell.
0: Ooh.
2: We've lost that aggression in the pulpit over the last 20, 25 years for sure. Some have. Some have. I'm saying as the church.
0: There ain't no doubt about it, man, yeah.
2: And what he's pointing at is that you have believed a counterfeit gospel mm-hmm. that fits your preferred life but has nothing to do with the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're in church celebrating the counterfeit gospel over and over again. That's devastating to think about, and it's it creates a little bit of apprehension for me because it's the that might not be the right word, but it's like, man, open, open. I want to believe the real gospel.
0: Yeah, it'd be a good time if you hadn't read, if you've never read the Screw Tape letters, to just roll back through that one again. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is that a, a senior demon is writing back and forth with a junior demon on the schemes mm-hmm. that they use. Mm-hmm. To pair, to keep the to keep the non-believer from believing the true gospel, and then if the believer if somebody becomes a believer on how to paralyze the believer so that they be ineffective mm-hmm. in pushing back darkness. Mm-hmm. So one of one of the keys, this goes right into what you're asking, is that when they can, I mean, listen how, this is C.S. Lewis writing in the 40s. Um, if you get somebody that is is. A le- legitimately a Christian, but they begin to see their Christian Christianity as a means to their political end, instead of the other way around. Then the wormwoods like we won, we got him. You want know, to talk about false signs? I mean,
1: yes, they certainly can be like the deceptions of what riches or fame or pleasure might promise you. But I think about two things. I think about. The magicians who competed, if you will, against Moses, they were able to do, with their divination and witchcraft, were able to do the same signs that that Moses was performing, right? Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, beware when somebody says, hey, Christ has returned, and they'll be led astray with false signs. So I, I do think that there's legit, demonic, imperfect or impression miracles almost that People can be deceived by not just like, oh yeah, the promise of wealth going to make you happy. No, it could just literally be like a thing that's just like that doesn't seem possible. But if it's not to for the glory of Jesus, it's, yeah,
2: you go into a palm reader and they guess right. Mm-hmm. right. Maybe it's, they don't guess right. Maybe demons were whispering in their ear. Bro, here's the thing. Yeah, okay, let's <sighs> and for you, all of our people, buy that as a determinative. <clears> you know, <clears throat> anybody
0: that does any of that kind of stuff, any of that palm reading, psychic. Okay, there's only one of two options, right? Okay, that they're a sham. That's one option. Are you not grown enough to not throw away your money? I mean, these people are just goofy and making stuff up and okay, or it's actually a thing. Mm-hmm. That's worse. Mm-hmm. Cuz you're just dumb if you're just throwing your money away for somebody to make up some stuff and like, you know, whatever. <clears throat> or it it's actually a thing. They are mm-hmm. actually reading your palm and doing what they claim to do. Which is to tap into some dark art stuff, mm-hmm. and it's and it's actually working. It's for real. Tr- you do not want to get involved in any of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You begin to open up your. Here's a crazy thing: you don't only open up your life, you open up your great grandchildren's life to some stuff that you do not want them Oof. to be taken captive by. That's right. The Bible's it, very think,
1: clear. That's very. It's very real. Very real.
2: Correct. It's very dangerous, and I think that if you're listening and you hear Pastor Joby and that's the first time you've ever heard that, but there's something in your, there's things in your history where you've opened yourself up to demonic forces in that way, then take the time to pause, confess that, mm-hmm. repent of it, mm-hmm. and, right. and cover that in the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. Yeah. Cut, meaning cut any of those binds mm. off. Yeah. Because demons, over for the last 10 generations of your family and the last... Ten months and ten years of your life have been looking for any handle to grab onto, mm-hmm, by which to disguise the truth from you, to suppress the truth, to pull you away from intimacy with the Father. And so often we don't take into account things that happened in the past. And we, well, Lord, forgive me. Mm-hmm. But the more specific you are, the more you can cut the ties that bind. You know, and read
1: so, read Charles Martin's book. What if it's true? For sure, he has an entire chapter on breaking those. Strongholds in your life and, and with, with written out prayers to pray through it's, it's incredible.
2: I think it is one thing to think through in regards to strongholds when you have strongholds that are hard to explain It's, it's very similar to how you started the sermon tonight that you know you may have been in the first 10, 15 minutes you're like, well, what do you think? This is all new? Yeah, same demons, new names new names mm-hmm. and hmm. there, there are it's very possible. And probable, their demonic activity in our past, that the fruit of that thing is that it man, it works with our flesh to create these strongholds over our minds and over our our attentions and affections, and so see,
0: I would put that. I mean, three of the schemes that I see here in the text. It's the first time I ever seen it this way, I, man. Yeah. I love it, man. I, love I, it's it. a it's a like a grace of God in my life. This is this is available for every single believer. By the way, <clears throat> Jesus said, "I'm gonna send you the ghost. I'm gonna send you the Spirit." And he is going to teach you and bring to remembrance the things that Mm -hmm. I have taught you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've read this before. And I'm looking at the word schemes and I go down that road for a while. And then I see three right here. Deceiver of the whole world. I think that's what, Mm -hmm. hey, man, it's just dream catchers. We went to this, we went out west and, you know, we had this kind of goofy little, Thing we did and this got a little Buddha on our trip to right and we just put it up there and you know I mean you know we lit the incense at the temple because okay you're deceived man I'm telling you you're playing with fire okay that's one category then particularly to the church he's the accusers he's the accuser of the brothers Mm -hmm. man that's when the Lord that's when the enemy starts getting into like what we call the whispers I call the whispers Mm -hmm. around here yeah and then this is. The fear, where I get it from, for they they love not their lives even unto death. Mm-hmm. That the enemy was trying to intimidate believers with fear of mm-hmm. death. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of believers where that scheme didn't work. Yeah. And those are the freest people alive. Mm. I mean, dude, that video that our team put together tonight—oh wow! <clears throat> where Joseph from Union Correctional is—he's a lifer in prison, been given six months to live because mm. he's got a. Massive tumor on his pancreas and he's like, Hey man, to live is Christ to die is gain. Mm-hmm. If I go mm-hmm. home, I'm going home and I'm mm-hmm. free finally. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's this right here. That yeah. brother loved not his life even unto death. Mm. We we've, we've been talking about the way that Jesus is the
1: the antidote to the schemes of the enemy, right? Yeah. Like yeah. and when I was listening to you, Pastor Joby, talk about those three things, it was just like, it was so clear. I'd never seen him before either. And if, if he's the deceiver of the whole world, we talked about it already. Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the truth, and he speaks truth to us. Uh, if, if the enemy is the accuser of the brothers, well, praise God, we have an intercessor before the Father. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. Romans talks about it, 1 John talks about it. He's making intercession for us right now, you know? And uh, if if Satan's trying to get us to fear and be crippled by it, he says perfect love casts out fear. You know, that that and, and you see that that's one of the things about the early disciples, you read the book of Acts, which I've been reading recently, they just were like bold. You know, that's what they wanted. They wanted they wanted boldness, they prayed for boldness. And the, the people like were fresh like fresh out of prison, they're praying for boldness. Yeah, like, what do we do? Okay, we're gonna beat you up. All right, fine. We're gonna let you go. Sweet. We're gonna yeah. kill you. Okay, you know, like <laughs> total that totally free. I think what you just said, the
2: text I thought about, because you talked about him being the accuser multiple times tonight. I mean, the text talks about it. And ultimately what he's accusing us of to God Mm -hmm. is he is trying to accuse us to God so that God would leave us in our guilt. And he's accusing us to us that there's no way to have our sins forgiven, that we are... Bound to those sins, or that we are those sins. There's nothing greater than those sins. Those are our identity. And this, what you just said about him being the the inner, Jesus being the intercession mm-hmm. or the interceder or the mediator is another way that the Bible talks about it. Um, that he, what he has, 1 John 3 8, Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. Mm. So there is something stronger at work than the accusations of the devil, who Mm. is currently immediately accusing us to God. And Jesus is currently immediately mediating, interceding for us. Hebrews 7 is one of my favorite chapters in all the book, and I was sitting here trying to scan through it, but Mm. it's that he's a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to just gospel goodness, Mm. which, side note, I think Hebrews is a far more difficult book. Than Revelation.
0: Mm -hmm. If I had to pick which one I was going to teach, and it would help if you grew up Jewish, then it would be a lot of stuff. (laughs) That's right. And and like uh, pre seventy AD Jewish, Mm -hmm. it it talks about Jesus being
2: a priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is a perpetual priesthood that never Mm -hmm. ends. And then it says that he is the the guarantee of a better covenant. And the enemy is still playing the old covenant
0: mm-hmm.
2: over and over and over. He, he, it's the only one that he, he, mm-hmm. he seems to be able to navigate because the, there's just nothing greater than it in his lived experience, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is a guarantee of a better covenant. So that said, counterfeit signs, temptations. Uh, Mark 4 talks about the enemy snatching seeds. In, in the parable of the sower, that he's a he's a seed snatcher. Pastor Joby, you've taught on this many times. What does that mean?
0: It obviously, it doesn't mean that he can take our salvation. No, 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 no. But he can take a truth of the word of God that you don't mm-hmm. allow to land on fertile mm-hmm. soil and grow deep roots mm-hmm. and change your life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, you got to pay very close attention to, uh, to take thoughts captive. Well, I mean, what habits, man, is you come here, whether the sermon you think is good or not, it's not the point whatsoever. But we're going to teach the Bible. And so there are true things said, theos neustos, man, mm-hmm. think about that. And they land in the, and then whoever has ears to hear mm. is the person that has shut out the lie of the enemy so that they can hear and believe think and then feel right things about who God is and who they are mm-hmm. so that they can do, so that we can do what he tells us to do. For sure.
1: Pretty much almost every time there's a, you know, a one more weekend and, and there's an opportunity for people to raise their hand. And then we usually at the end, it's like, Hey, can we praise God for, you know, any number of people? There's somebody, they'll say a number. I'll oftentimes think about that parable. And I'll pray. I'll say, Lord, please don't let the birds come down and snatch that. Because I definitely had seasons in my life, you know, when I was still wrestling with the Lord and not fully surrendered, where I would get the feels and feel like I want to go do a bunch of stuff. But then I'd walk out and get distracted, get full of shame, whatever. And then it was unfruitful in my life.
0: So let's mm-hmm. explain. So that's one of the few parables. Jesus explains it all. You yes. don't have to wonder what it probably means. <clears throat> he says to the disciples, good soil. So that, that's the person that hears the mm-hmm. word, believes it. It takes root. Praise God. You grow, and you grow exponentially more than mm-hmm. you could ever think, like Produces 10, fruit. 100-fold, okay? Then there is the shallow soil. This is the person that goes for the fields, but you don't then dive in. You don't abide in his word, therefore abide in him. And mm-hmm. it ta- there's no root to it. And so it's just kind of a temporary believism, Mm -hmm. but you're not rooted in the truths of the word of God. And so the first day the sun comes out, you just dry up, man, because you got no faith. Mm -hmm. You have no actual faith. Then there's the person that still continues to live in this world unchanged. And what looks like faith at first, which is really just, you know, some response to a good sermon or whatever, Mm -hmm. you get choked out by the worries of this world. Mm -hmm. And then. There's some where the enemy comes and just snatches that thing. Mm-hmm. Go, not that's not for you, and you go, oh, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's here's a here's the deceitfulness of the enemy, particular to Christmas. Okay, it's about the deceiver of the world. The, the enemy will begin to say, forgiveness is not an option in your family. Like you, it, I know people say they can forgive and all this kind of stuff, but what he did to you, you can't forgive. Mm. And then you begin to go, oh crap. I thought I did forgive him, but I didn't. And every time I see him at Christmas, you know, okay. And then what you begin to do is you begin to believe the feelings that the enemy's feeding you, Hmm. which, and here's the crazy thing, the feelings are legit because he did you wrong. Hmm. Okay. But forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's a decision to cancel the debt. And then the enemy goes, well, if forgiveness doesn't work between you and him, then how in the world could you believe it could work between a perfect God and you? Hmm. You can't be forgiven. And you're like, mm. and in that moment, man, that it goes scoop, it takes that seed away. See, that's the deceitfulness. Mm. He honestly, if you can forgive your neighbor or not, it's not that consequential to the enemy. Mm. But if the enemy can deceive you to think forgiveness isn't available to mm.
1: you, mm. he's winning. Help, help with this, Pastor Job, because I've something I've wondered. So theologically, we know that the spirit, if you're in Christ, the spirit lives inside of you, right? right. And the spirit will speak speak to your spirit, right? And Satan doesn't live inside of you if you're in Christ. And yet, it seems like that voice is coming from the inside, right? All the things you're talking about that, hey, it's not for you and, and, and forgive us yeah. not for you. It seems like it's talking from the inside. So how is it that Satan has the ability to say those things that would be a perfect attack against us if he can't actually be there to read our thoughts? You know what I mean? Like, Because you have
0: the same mind that you've always had. mm So this is why Romans 12 says that um, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewal Mm -hmm. of your mind. Mm -hmm. So he rips out your old dead heart, gives you his heart. You get a brand new soul, Mm -hmm. like he fills your soul Mm -hmm. with the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. But you're still like same birth order, same impact that your parents and grandparents had on you, same whatever personality type that you've always tested. All of that's the Mm -hmm. same. Mm -hmm. And this is why spiritual warfare primarily in our lifetime right now is just a war of the mind. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to constantly renew your mind yeah. and you renew it with the word of God. And we also live in a world where we're being catechized by smartphones mm-hmm. and Netflix specials and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think there's also there may also be there's a
1: spiritual reality that we just can't see. So if we're let's just say you're you're wandering into a place where there's spiritual darkness and you're not discerning it, but Satan certainly knows that you're there, right? And so then could turn up the heat of a certain kind of temptation or a certain kind of spiritual attack or a messaging on you. And it's, it would be obvious. If you, could, if, you're, if you could see in the spirit the way that spiritual beings can, it would be obvious as to where that was coming from. But because we, we live cloaked in this body, maybe that's what, what keeps us from understanding it. I don't know.
2: Last one is this that that I'll I'll, I'll get into. We've gotten all through, all of them, one way or the other. 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul says that Satan hindered us in our work. Hmm. And we, we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Yeah, well. And one of his strategies is to work directly against pastors and missionaries in the advancement of the gospel. 'Cause if he can slow the how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Mm. If he can slow their feet and hinder them, then it slows the gospel message going forward. Mm. And somehow God allows for this, Job one under under his sovereignty, even though it's a dog on a leash, sometimes it seems like it's a pretty long leash. If or I, even if look I'm at honest. the events
0: of Jesus' life early to get him to fulfill prophecy to be from three places, like He's got to be born in Bethlehem, got to be a Nazarene, and he's got to come from Egypt. Hmm. So what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. Hmm. Well, we have such an incredible church
2: filled with folks who I know are praying for you, for your family, for our pastors, for our elders and leaders. They're the best. They're the best. And every time somebody's like, I'm praying for you, I genuinely try to say, Thank you. We covet those prayers because mm-hmm. it's so true because the mm-hmm. sa- Satan is at work against us to hinder the work that God's mm-hmm. trying to do here. Our, our folks too, but spe- he specifically points his energies toward pastors and missionaries mm-hmm. regularly to hinder the work. And um, I just want you brothers to know I pray for you both. Thank you. You know, that Thank you. Thank your feet would stay beautiful as you bring the good news to quote the I've never seen your feet. I don't think
0: <laughs> you probably have But I'm, but I'm glad I didn't notice them as ugly.
2: That but that said, it's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. You say it all the time in these retreats that we lead. Mm-hmm. If if you were the enemy and you try, you wanted to stop what God was doing here. Mm-hmm. What would you do?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Pray against that. Yep. And I invite all of our listeners pray against that.
1: We need it. It's so interesting that he says there. Satan hindered us because he says, Other places the spirit of God hindered us, you know. And what that tells you is that not all opposition is the same, or not all, not every hurdle you hit is the same. It may be the enemy, or it may be the spirit. So, he test the spirits, so he test the spirit. That's right,
0: yeah. And then, oftentimes, you know, um, man, you know, looking back, you always get 20 20 vision looking back, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. in retrospect. There was a hindrance of churches meeting all over the world, Mm -hmm. and their government said this is the best thing for churches not to gather. Mm -hmm. Now, we're post a couple years, right? It was not the best thing. Mm -hmm. It was not the best thing for emotional and uh, mental health. It was not the best thing for churches. It was not. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what you got to do after you take your lumps is you learn from that and... So the next time the enemy tries some kind of scheme like that, you don't fall for that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, you mentioned, Pastor Joby, that you mentioned the war. We're talking about spiritual warfare. You mentioned worship is war. And and Dr. Piper calls how we're supposed to live a wartime mindset, a wartime oh, yeah. mentality. Explain a little bit about that, what that is and why it's so hard for
0: So he was Christian. talking about, I mean, he's older than me, but he's talking about, the, the mentality of your average American during World War Two, mm-hmm. because they all, I mean, this is broad brush, brush, but they all agreed in order for us to survive and defeat the axis of evil, everybody had to think differently and have a mm-hmm. wartime mentality. So you don't get as many pairs of shoes as you want. You don't get as much gas as you want. You know that you're going to make sacrifices for the greater good, which was mm-hmm. to defeat Hitler. Okay. And he's like, but so that he called that the wartime mentality. Today he would say we're we need a wartime mentality. But the war is a spiritual warfare, and the mm-hmm. Great Commission are our marching orders. Therefore, what if we lived our lives willing to do whatever it takes to win the greater war, which is to take the gospel mm-hmm. to the ends of the mm-hmm. earth? But in times of comfort, we began to treat prayer like a walkie-talkie, like an intercom where we just call up from the den asking for some more sweet tea instead of a wartime walkie-talkie mm-hmm. asking the commander of the army to send us more mm. supplies so we can push forward the front line. Mm. That's that's Dr. Piper.
1: Well, as we're coming to a close here, I have this thought, like, one, is it possible, is it even possible for for a person, a Christian, to be more or less engaged in this spiritual war? I would say yes. Yes. Very much so. So what are some of the ways that people can get more in like get in the fight? Like don't be don't be just on the sideline. Don't just be lulled to sleep. Like you mentioned that in the sermon tonight. So talk a little bit about that. So we
0: well answer. in particular, so when it comes I mean ask yourself this question. Is where is he kicking your butt? Are there some things where you're being deceived, where you're conformed to the mm-hmm. pattern of this world? Mm-hmm. Ask the Spirit of God. One of, one of God's kindnesses is conviction. God, convict me. Is there an area in my life where I'm just conformed to the pattern of this world? Am I being deceived? Two, <clears throat> do you feel the accusation of the evil one? Mm-hmm. And if, if so, where? Which means what mm-hmm. part of the Scriptures are you not believing about who you are? Do you believe that your past defines you? And do you believe that your past determines your future? That's what accusation is. The the biblical word is condemnation, which means unfit for use. Mm. Third, where is fear creeping up in your life? Mm -hmm. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear. Those are just three from the text that Mm -hmm. we talked about tonight. Mm -hmm. And I think they really apply at Christmas, man. Mm -hmm. Like it's so easy to get caught, deceived and caught in the trappings, right? It's so easy to feel not enough, Mm -hmm. the accused and it's so easy to be gripped by fear. Like mm-hmm. this might be the first Christmas that you've had without a significant other. Like they mm-hmm. passed away or something. Okay. So there's like legit sad. Then there's this paralyzed feeling that's really about fear. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be with some people that make you nervous and you don't feel like you're going to live up. Man, that's mm-hmm. fear-based. Like where just get really serious. I think one of the one of the genius things about Romans chapter 7 which is where Paul talks about the struggles and the enemy, like some spots where mm-hmm. the enemy seems to be winning in his life. He's just so honest. Mm-hmm. He's like, "There's these things I don't want to do, and I keep on doing. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. There's these other things I want to do, and I can't pull it off. What is wrong mm-hmm. with me?" And they all bring us back to the gospel. Which, mm-hmm. while we're sitting here, I just kind of thought about this. You, you said, okay, so, so whatever God creates, the enemy like corrupts. Okay, so where is Jesus the, the real? Answer, where the enemy's corrupting. Okay, so he's the deceiver of the whole world, but Jesus says, John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the truth. He's the accuser, which means you're stuck where you are. And Jesus is like, no, I'm the way. Mm-hmm. The fact that Jesus says he's the way means he's not done with you. Mm-hmm. Like the way is a movement term. Like, mm-hmm. hey man, I got more for you. Like you're on a direction, you're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, th- they didn't love their lives even unto death, well, Jesus, said, I don't worry because I'm the, I am the life. Hmm. In John fourteen six, He is the solution to the schemes of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's an accuser, He's a deceiver, and He tries to kill people. Because mm-hmm. I don't worry about it, because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father mm-hmm. except through Me. Mm-hmm. So the Christmas is, so I'm coming that you may come mm-hmm. to the Father through yeah.
1: Me. Yeah, and I heard you say also that we get in the fight by by coming to worship, by oh, participate, okay. like. I don't know. I don't know how many times I need to be reminded of, like, you ever wake up and just you are in a bad mood, or you feel just like oh Abby something, <laughs> like. But the thing is, sometimes w- we're so passive about it. like I guess I am just gonna have a bad mood today. No, you don't oh, have like right. you can wow. actually you can take authority over the thing that's coming. You can choose joy. You can choose to, to get in there. You can. So part of how you get in the fight is to personally say, no, no, he's the way, the truth, and life, and he's given this. To me, and you mentioned this, we, we can get in the fight with what we do with our money, you know, bring, it, bring our first and best, our time and how we serve others, and come and be a part of the community of faith.
0: Yeah, I know this post after Sunday, but yeah, like, tell everybody, you know, to get here this weekend, not because of the sermon, man. <clears throat> after the, like, <laughs> it's funny, not funny. It's so, the elements of the service this weekend, for me, were so stinking God exalting,
2: mm. yeah, praise God.
0: And we sing "O Holy Night," and I walk out there, and I and I leaned over to Michael Olson, and I was like, "Man, I hope we didn't peak early. I hope we got something left for Christmas Eve because mm. it felt like it felt like one of those kind of, mm. you know what I mean? You guys yeah. know, creatively, we, we try to we try to do doxologically excellent things. Mm. We don't just do cool stuff mm. to do cool stuff. We want to do things where God is really into it. Yeah. And and uh, I thought. Tonight was one of those nights, which mm. is cool. And I even forgot to look at the two—I clo- forgot to look at the songs that we close with. And uh, it, it couldn't have been more perfect in regards to mm. worship is war. This is a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's yeah. join our voice. Like, bring whatever you have to the altar and then throw up your hands in gratitude because what else mm. can you bring, King Jesus?
1: I think Christmas songs, people sleep on Christmas songs. That's some of the most nope. theologically rich. You know, Christ is like, fall on your knees. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I mean, like, wow. All about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, Pastor Joby, we close us out with any final thoughts and a prayer
0: as we're fighting the spiritual fight. <laughs> um, I think it's that that Alexander Stolzhenitsyn quote is not a believer, but he says some version of whoever comes to the battle pre-deciding they're going to fight, they're always mm-hmm. the stronger one. Mm-hmm. So we are at war, mm-hmm. and the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. So part of the way that you war against him is you tune your ear into the voice of the Good Shepherd and do whatever he tells you to do. Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you that you uh, would love us, that you would come on a rescue mission for us, that you would ransom us for your glory. God, we we thank you for your word. God, it's holy, it's perfect, it's right, it's true. It's all about you, and actually, it's for us that we may know you and and walk according to your ways. God, we pray against the schemes of the enemy. May may we not be outwitted by him hmm. because we know some of his schemes. Hmm. And, God, wherever we lack, which is in many, many places, God, we thank you that grace abounds. Hmm. And, God, may we just hear your voice and follow in the directions of the Good Shepherd. That's it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening <laughs> to the podcast, <laughs> the end. <NFL. laughs>